Happy New Year. Biggest thing is, we have no elections this year. We have a new year, new challenges, new opportunities, new beginnings, newness of life, life in Jesus. That's enough to look forward to and rejoice. Um, I don't know whether to give a disclaimer. My personality would, uh, would jump on that and give a disclaimer, but uh, I am not Grady, as you can tell. But I will say that my style is a little different. Um, I try to hear the, the voice of the Holy Spirit and respond and be obedient. And this morning is no different. So I'm going to start out this morning after that uh, great happy new year and be obedient to the Lord in uh, responding to something that happened to me this morning. And it's something that I would be willing to bet that in the high 90 percentile, all of you, when going to worship the Lord or going to do something the Lord has asked you to do, you come into contact with uh, conflict. Have you ever packed up the kids, head to church, and it's a war zone on the way to church? Aha. Has the Lord ever asked you to do something and you're, you're on it like bugs on stink and something comes up to try to derail you and not allow you to do what you're supposed to? Well, this morning started out that way. I, uh, I am one that uh, I don't hold things in. I, much to my wife's chagrin, <laughs> I let it just come out. So on the way to church this morning, I, uh, I had an argument with my wife. And for that, sweetie, I apologize. And it, it's so ironic that after things like that happen, then the light goes on and you go, that's warfare. <laughs> Why wasn't I aware of that before I opened my big mouth and know that somewhere, somehow, some way, my adversary is, does not want me to share with you this morning what's on my heart. Dan Wilt, in his, his daily reflections for the worshiping church, says, we all lose it, we lose perspective, we lose our sense of purpose, our sense of vocation, our calling from God. In those moments, we can either give up or put up our head put our head down and just keep going. When we give up, we forfeit all that has been won, won to date because we simply lose sight of the goal. When we hang in there, when we continue to run the race, even when we cannot see the finish line, it seems that God backs us up. He sends people to us. We get through those hard seasons and we come out the other side a different kind of person, a different kind of disciple, a different kind of leader. Don't give up in the face of a challenge today, even if your emotions tell you to. Instead, rise up, tell your emotions to take a back seat and lead. Behold our God, seated on his throne. Come, let us adore him. Behold our king. Nothing can compare 
Come, let us adore him. That's the chief aim of man, isn't it? To come before a great God and worship him with everything we are. In our core values, we have two that I'm, I'm going to try to line up with this morning. And if you were to talk to my wife before service, she would tell you that um, I take a lot of bunny trails. <laughs> so my wife is way back there this morning. So if you see this hand going like this, that means, Doug, get back on track. Community, we are a church where people are lovingly known and seek to know each other. And another core value is love. We are people who are known for our love. In John 13, verses 34 and 35, Jesus says, A new commandment I give to you. You notice that? A new commandment I give to you. He's not saying... Okay, guys, now, here's what I kind of would like you to do. He's saying, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, we can have a uneducated, uh, simple, ratty-looking person like myself stand before you and, and proclaim the good news of Jesus. And our hearts are drawn to his word, not by my appearance or my eloquence. As Paul said, when he went to Rome, I believe. That it wouldn't be his eloquence of speech, it would be the power and the truth of the Word of God. And to proclaim love and to to command us to love one another as he loved us. How did he love us? Go ahead. He what? He gave his life. How? What went on during that moment in the Passion Week? How many have ever seen the, the Passion of the Christ? Ooh. Guys need to get out more. <laughs> it's a brutal movie. And reading afterwards of the depiction of Christ's beating and crucifixion, historians say that that was spot on. And as I watched that and saw what he did for me, what he took for me, and I whine and complain about little things, it's raining, it's too hot, it's too cold, there's too much snow, I don't have a nice new car, I don't have. And yet when I think about what he did and I read what he suffered, and the cruelty of the cross that the Romans made and, and, and if I can say, bettered, <laughs> perfected execution on a cross. There is nothing in my life that warrants complaint 
And I, I would venture to say there's nothing in the typical American's life that they have room to complain about anything. I'm to love you as he loved me. That means putting you first. How many are willing to jump on board now and go, yeah, I will love you more than I love myself? Yeah. It's easy to say. It's easy to come here on Sunday mornings and get jazzed and and sing some songs. Behold our God. Behold our King. Do we really realize when we say our God or my God, how awesome that is? A.W. Tozer says the modern church has lost its, its, its feel or its, its, its grasp on the majesty of God. Jack Hayford back in the 70s wrote a song called Majesty. How many have ever heard that song? Oh, that's one of the best descriptive songs, I think, ever written. It was truly anointed. To love each other. To sacrifice for one another. To lay down my life for yours. I read a book back in the 70s called Living Together in a World Falling Apart. And this couple went around America to visit Christian communities and communes. And they're, they're learning all about how people can live together in community, serving each other. And so one night at this one home, this guy's wife says, Honey, I'm, I'm kind of cold. Would you run upstairs and get my sweater? And his first thought was, Man, I'm willing to lay down my life for you, but to run upstairs and get your sweater? By your laughter, I can, I can see you relate to that. Honey, would you make me a cup of coffee? Oh, man, I, you know, I'll go out and take a bullet, but you know, I am kind of comfortable right here in my chair. And don't bother me during the football game. When Peter states in 1 Peter 4.8, Above all, keep your love for one another constant, because love covers a large number of sins. He's saying that choosing to love often sets all motives in the right place. Now, we're a motive-driven people, aren't we? What's in it for me? It dispels our own pride and puts issues into perspective. When we are truly loving others, it's not about our pride or being right. It's about helping others grow in faith by using our God-given gifts. When you love somebody else and, and... put them before you, esteem them higher than you, you're exercising something that, that lets God's love in your life and in their life explode. Aren't you drawn to love? Aren't you drawn to that acceptance that somebody looks you in the eye and says, man, I love you and I'm going to prove it. Ladies, when you looked in his eyes standing before the preacher, what did you see there? Were you drawn to that? Is that something that you longed for? And guys, you 
tough guys. He's looked into your, your soon-to-be wife's eyes. What did you see there? What were you pledging that day? To love, to honor, to respect. When we love others and use our gifts for their benefit, our actions do more than serve the other. Since they find their origin in Christ's love, they serve to honor and glorify Christ. We honor Christ when we love each other. Not by standing and singing songs. Not by even studying his word, although that's huge. When we honor and serve each other and love each other, we honor Jesus. And isn't that what we want to do? Isn't that why we drag ourselves out of bed and drag our husbands or wife or our kids to church? We want to honor Jesus. When we sing these songs, do you you really look at the words and hear what you're singing? Trying to think of a song, and usually I'm really good at this, it just kind of pops into my head. Oh, yeah. Favorite song, old school. I surrender 10%. I surrender 10%. 10% to God my Savior. I surrender 10%. But what do we do in reality? Do we surrender all? When people see us, the church, disadvantage ourselves to help someone or one another, they will more likely understand that God, who is eternally rich, became poor for us. It's our mission is to have people drawn to Christ, is to, is to sow the seed so they can hear, so they can understand when the Holy Spirit is drawing them to the Father. Rebecca Van Nord says, living in community with others is often difficult. (laughs) We'll meet with challenging people in situations that will require us to continually pray to the giver of gifts for renewed strength and the ability to serve. We'll face conflict that needs to be met with wisdom and love. Through prayer and the work of God in our lives, we can love and we can serve others with the love of Christ. Isn't that what we really all desire when we, when we come to Jesus and, and the, the, the lover of our soul, the, the fulfiller of our destiny? We come to him and, and, and I don't know if you remember the first, when you accepted Jesus or asked forgiveness and repented. And, but man, I, October 1971, I knew. And I was so in love with Jesus. I was a fool for Christ, man. <laughs> Some of you know me, and you're like, Doug, you're still a fool, man. <laughs> I want to be that fool for Jesus, that when I'm professing him before men, they look at me and they go, what a fool. 
but they don't know and they don't understand that hope that I have living in me. Let Philadelphia continue. Love one another with brotherly affection. Jesus-centered community is genuine and it hates evil. It is also filled with brotherly affection. This is much deeper than, please, 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 don't mishear me here. Okay? Promise? Okay. It's much deeper than sitting in a small group, drinking coffee, eating goodies, and going home all the while thinking about, dude, how great is our community? Now, you didn't hear me say small groups are bad and we're going to do away with them, right? You did not hear that from me. Small groups are integral into the health of the church. But when we go there and just drink the coffee and eat cookies and, and, and do the stuff and go home thinking, this was real community. We're missing the mark. Real community means getting involved with each other, hearing one another's issues and problems, and praying for one another, coming alongside them as the Holy Spirit comes alongside us. Walking with each other, bearing one another's burdens, loving one another. Brotherly affection in the original language is composed of two root words, phylos, which means brotherly love, and adelphos, which means of the same womb. Therefore, because of the gospel, believers are called to possess a deep brotherly love for each other as if we were literally born from the same womb. And in fact, aren't we really? Therefore, because of the gospel, believers... I read that. Think of it in terms of your own home and family. And even though you're not all together, kids live in Louisiana or Nashville or Alaska, when they're not there, you're still aware where they are, who they are, what they're going through. People such as myself think you always have to be talking. Right, honey? Always got to be saying something. I mean, I can, I can see it in people's eyes sometimes when I'm just, I'm going, man. I'm on a streak. I can see it in their eyes going, oh, when's he going to shut up? I'd love to talk. I do. Even when my brain and the Holy Spirit say, Doug, you need to cool your jets right now. But I think the most romantic the most intense, the most loving moments and joy-filled moments, at least in my life, is sitting in our living room, just Shelley and I, and we're both reading. That's quiet. That's pretty rare, but sometimes it's quiet. And I'll stop in my reading and look over at my wife of soon to be 43 years. And it, I'm just filled with love for her. 
We need to love one another so that moments of silence, we, we, we don't need to talk. We know where we're at. We know who we love. We know who we serve. We love them with Philadelphia love, not like the city. Christians throughout the ages have been recognized as a group who cares deeply for each other. Aristide, a pagan orator, wrote scornfully of the early Christians, but even he was forced to admit that they loved each other deeply. Quote, if these Christians hear that any one of their number is in distress for the sake of Christ's name, they all render aid in his necessity. That's brotherly love at work. Hard work. You're saving for that one item that, man, you just got to have. In my household, that would be saving for something to either put on, fix, or buy another Harley. Those are important to me. <laughs> my wife and I and my son use those bikes to minister to bikers. And it's such an easy tool or a bridge that God's provided. When you ride up into a group of other bikers, there's always something on your bike or something on their bike or the paint job that just instantly connects you to them. But going out there as a minister of the gospel of Jesus, I have to earn the right to speak into their lives. I have to respect them and honor them it by no means means I have to accept or approve of their lifestyle. That's not the issue. It's for me to come alongside them and, and get to know them and to love them so that it makes it a little easier for them to come to somebody that they respect, that's earned their respect, to come to us and say, I'm in trouble, I have need. So to love one another as we love one another in Christ's household can move outward like ripples and it affects our neighbors, our friends, those that we know that don't know and don't love Jesus. But they'll see that in us and they'll want that in their life because we all want to be loved, right? We do. We're born with that. This is my commandment, that you, uh, that you love one another as I have loved you. Again, in John 15, 12. And the one in Romans 12, 10 that I just shared with you. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Not beat somebody to a pulp to win. One of my biggest pet peeves, this could ruffle some feathers, I don't typically listen to Air One or K-Love, sorry. I know there's some, it's great to have Christian music played. But when you're vying for a Dove Award, when you're vying for a, a number one hit, Christian hit, is that really loving one another as you 
compete to win over a brother or a sister? And again, I, this is my pet peeve, okay? So you know, when you go out the radio and it's already on, hey, love, or everyone, please don't change it. Just, you know, just get into perspective that I'm not competing with you. It's not my life's goal to be somebody that's better than you. It's not my intention to win over you. My intention is to win for Jesus' sake. And that requires me to put you first, to esteem you higher than myself. Because in reality, there is no you, or there shouldn't be any you in my life. It should be Jesus and Jesus only. How can I be concerned about you and your needs? These are going to be really trivial, you might think. Why shouldn't I take the farthest parking spot from the church? How about if I take that seat that's blocked by a pole? We don't have any poles in here, so you can't relate. But have you ever been to a church where there's those infamous poles right there and you're sitting right behind it? Because everybody wants to see who's talking. How can I, here's a good one for Western philosophy, how can I disadvantage myself for your advantage? What would it mean to consider you more significant than me? Will it truly inconvenience me to do without so someone else might have? To live simply so that others might simply live? Again, the key is affection for the Lord leads to affection for others, resulting in outdoing one another in honor. Is this making sense this morning? Am I taking too many bunny trails? Be, be honest. My wife will be afterwards. We need to continue to work at showing the world that we belong to Jesus because of our love for one another. We need to be a body of believers that truly welcome newcomers to our fellowship with love and honor and thanksgiving that they come to be among us. Whether they're here to check us out, to see if we truly are followers of Christ, or they're here seeking the truth, we need to show them with words and with actions. Philippians 2, 5-8 says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Will you die for Jesus? Will you deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him? Even to go upstairs and get a sweater for your wife or another friend? Again, Dan Wilt in his book, The Well-Worn Path, writes, In this passage in Philippians, we are invited to have the same view of ourselves as Christ had about himself. He wasn't leveraging a desire to be equal with the Father, he wasn't after his own advantage or seeking to be in charge of his own life. He saw his death as the most meaningful thing he could do with his life. 
He manifested his destiny by serving others as a human being who was ready to become nothing to make us something. Truly learning to die to ourselves is as hard as learning to truly live fully alive in the presence of God. But there is no resurrection life without a cross behind it, backing it, and giving it character and meaning. As you approach today and tomorrow and the next day, begin to think like Jesus. The way up is the way down. The way over is the way under. The right words are the loving words. Set aside your privileges, grab the cross, and give your life to elevate and encourage others today. Father God, help us as we leave this place. Oh yeah, I'm supposed to say, let's pray. So, so the team knows they're supposed to come up. Lord, help us this morning to walk in the mindset of one another. That in honoring of one another, we honor you. I pray that as we love one another, as you've called us to, that those in our circles of influence, our friends, families, and people we come across in our community would truly see you in us because we truly do love each other. That they would see in actuality and reality that we love you and your love for us. Affection for you, Lord, leads to affection for others, resulting in outdoing one another in honor. In Jesus' mighty name, and all the people said,